What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knocks. This is Adam Frommel here with Andy Bailey. Dan Favale is not here with us once more, but we will soldier on in his absence and talk about the Toronto Raptors. Weird season for them last year. The regular season was great. They won 49 games, finished with the number four seed in the Eastern Conference, and four proved to be a fateful number once more in the playoffs because they got swept out in four games by the Washington Wizards kind of ushered in the expectations that the offseason would be one of substantial changes, but that didn't happen. The biggest move was to acquire Damari Carroll, a free agent who last played with the Atlanta Hawks, and beyond that, not too much changed here. Uh, We'll get to a lot of the key pieces and the key players here in a little bit, but first, we want to let Andy rant for a little bit. We normally save the burning bacon for the end, but we want to let him rant about The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. (laughs) In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Got a player who is being confined to too small a role. This might go on so long that I'll have an opportunity to make some dinner. So, Andy... Take it away. <laughs> yeah, as I was preparing for this episode, uh, I was looking at Roto World at their depth chart. Um, and if anybody's ever sidelined on the Roto World depth chart, there's a little S next to their name. If you scroll over it, it pulls up Y. Um, 
for James, it just says sidelined. James, James Johnson. Johnson. James Raptors. Johnson. Yeah. Raptors coach Dwayne Casey admitted that James Johnson is buried in the rotation. It's very difficult because I know how hard James has worked. My heart goes out for him, but he's got guys in front of him here, so he's always going to be in that role. The key for James is keeping his head up, making sure he stays positive, stays ready, no matter what happens. Uh, which guys is he referring to besides Damari Carroll, do you think? I guess Terrence Ross still. That would be my assumption. Maybe Norman Powell has already moved ahead. Maybe Bruno Caboclo is no longer one year away from being two years away. I am just stunned by this. And don't forget about Ronald Roberts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how could I? Um, This preseason, Anthony Bennett has been in the rotation ahead of James Johnson. Now, to back up some of my confusion or anger over this I'm going to share some stats Uh, I actually wrote an article about this maybe a month ago so this research is fairly fresh in my head last season so what I did was look at the net ratings for the top five guys in minutes played for the Raptors each of them had a like a decent net rating but their net ratings were all better when they shared the court with Johnson did the same thing with the Grizzlies the season before, uh, the last team he was on before the Raptors. Same thing was the case, except for in the case of Mark Gasol. That's the only outlier out of ten <laughs> teammates. So he makes people, or he makes the team better in general. It's his defense and the fact, especially last season, offensively, he became a really good finisher. Um, he's a very underrated passer. Something else that I talked about, that, that's one of the reasons he helps Toronto's offense is because they have ball stoppers. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, James, passes, James Johnson passes the ball. Another thing I looked up, guys in NBA history with a career steal percentage over two and a career block percentage over four, there's been nine total players in the history of the league uh, with those numbers for their career, and James Johnson is one of them. He's a very versatile defender. It's one of the reasons Raptors and fans and writers were so confused that he didn't play in that four-game sweep that you mentioned because the Wizards, famously Randy Whitman for the first time ever, seemed to embrace analytics and put Paul Pierce at the four, and he destroyed them. And everybody was wondering, oh, if only you had this combo forward who's a defensive specialist that you could bring in in this situation and guard Paul Pierce. Who could Except for he never did it. (laughs) Yeah. James Johnson, of course, and, and Casey never did it. And at one point, reporters were asking him about it. And he said, yeah, I feel bad for James because he's probably the most talented player on our team. But we have this set wing rotation. <laughs> and they're, they're, it just defies any uh, semblance of logic to me. I just don't get it. it. Does it make any sense to you at this point? So I'm, do you think he should play more or less? <laughs> Uh, just a little more. Okay, okay. Just wanted to clarify for anyone who, you know. Let me didn't... say, yeah, let me add one more thing. I, I like the Carroll edition. I would say that's the one guy conceivably, like, competing for the same minutes as him that should play more. I don't think Scola should play more. I don't think Anthony Bennett should play more. That one should be obvious. Uh, Bruno Caboclo should be obvious. Terrence Ross is a good shooter, but... He doesn't give them much beyond that. In, in, in terms of numbers that measure impact on a game, the only one you can make an argument for is Carroll. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. 
I mean, he's proven himself multiple times with no real results. But I'll kind of segue your rant into uh, talking about the overall depth of this team, which is something that I like about it. You know, if you look at their their second unit, you've got Corey Joseph, you've got Terrence Ross, James Johnson, Luis Scola, and then some combination of Bismack Biombo and Lucas Neguera. I like that. Like they're by themselves, there aren't really any big name players. You're probably not going to see anyone in competition for sixth man of the year. But all those guys are legitimate rotation players who bring something different to the table. You've got some offense with Scola. You've got rim protection with Biombo, that versatile defense and offense from Johnson, 3 and D from Terrence Ross. And Corey Joseph was a tremendously underrated point guard with the San Antonio Spurs, who I thought should have gotten more minutes at Tony Parker's expense once Parker started to wear down a little bit. So there are a lot of pieces there that I like to complement a pretty good starting lineup. Yeah, now that I've uh, cooled off a little bit from my rant, uh, I actually like their depth too, uh, assuming Dwayne Casey plays something close to the right rotation or the right five-man units. One guy that I am particularly high on with them is Corey Joseph. He'll obviously be a backup point guard again, but I think he he's a little bit different dimension uh, than Kyle Lowry. He's a great defender. He's a pretty solid shooter as well. Um, he can come in and guard ones or twos, depending on who's hot for the opposition. I kind of like Scola for them, too. I, I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. Uh, Biombo, you mentioned as well, a great rim protector, which is obviously a change of pace from Jonas Valanciunas, um, who's a great offensive player, uh, pretty solid rebounder, but is not a great defender. So they can bring somebody in to protect the rim now. Um, yeah, I like a lot of the moves that they made this offseason. I think they kept the most important parts of their core in place and just kind of augmented. And And I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, especially with the starters. I mean, we can focus on the depth as much as, they, as we want to. But this team is probably going to go as Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan do. I mean, even with the addition of, of Damari Carroll, even with Jonas Valanciunas still there, you know, we're looking at a backcourt-dominated team. And a lot hinges on whether DeRozan can finally figure out how to take more efficient shots and knock down some from the perimeter and how, how well this new svelte Kyle Lowry is going to play. You know, he trimmed down during the offseason, best shape of his life. You know, that's the cliche during this time of year. But for him, it really seems to be true. And we've seen him even last year. You know, he started out on a legitimate like, MVP caliber pace and just quickly wore down injuries were too much for him to overcome, and the responsibilities just weighed on him. And if he can stay healthy and that effective for an entire season, this is a dangerous squad. I think Lowry could have a huge year. I'm sure everybody saw his 40-point game in the preseason, which obviously you attach the preseason caveat to. But 40 points in the NBA is 40 points in the NBA. And his body does look better. And I, I expect pretty big things out of him. Uh, I think his if, if if he can stay in this kind of a good shape, which is should be easy given the fact that he'll be in the swing of an NBA season. Um, I don't think his efficiency will start to tail off towards the end of the season like it did last year. Mm-hmm. The guy that does concern me in that starting lineup, though, is Demar Derozan, who's been one of their leading scorers for a few years. And that's but not a good thing. Yeah, it comes at the expense of the team. He, like you alluded to, he takes terrible shots. Um, these wing players who are still in love with mid-range twos and these wing players who have coaches that let them take these mid-range twos, um, you know, it's fine if that's all you can get, 
But that's a shot you can get at almost any point in a possession. Um, we know now that there are much more valuable shots than this long two-pointer. Um, the long two is, is the most inefficient shot you can take, and that's where he takes a bulk of his, his shots. And if that doesn't change, he's going to continue to be an inefficient offensive player, and that slows them down. Totally agree. Um, it's almost like he's still in the, the, the vintage Kobe Bryant school of thought, which is something that the smart players are veering away from. And that's not to insult Kobe because during his prime, he was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one of the dozen best players that's ever suited up for an NBA team. This is a different era. And we've seen Kobe fail to adjust. And we've seen these people who grew up watching Kobe fail to adjust. And DeRozan's from California. You know, he grew mm-hmm. up in Compton. I would be shocked if Kobe wasn't the player he built his game around. Just watching tape of him, trying to emulate him. And now it's hard to diverge from that, but it's what needs to happen. I would be shocked if he wasn't influenced by him, too. You see a lot of those like mid to high post fadeaways, uh, dribble pull-up fadeaways, just inside the three-point line. Um, there aren't many worse shots that you can take. And the data on it is very easy to find these days. It's just, it's a terrible shot. And like I said before, I just don't think that they can reach their full potential offensively if he's going to continue to take, I don't know, how many shots did he take last year? Maybe like 18 or 19 a game. Too many. Yeah. I think if he cuts his shots down a little bit and turns some of those shots into smarter shots, they have a chance to be really, really good. Is he a top 100 player in the league? Top of my head, I'd probably say no. Oh, so you were supposed to say yes, and then I was going to come back with, is he a top 50 player? And that's where you hesitate. <laughs> so if, <laughs> so we, pre- if, we, pretend, if we pretend that happened, then I can make my next point, which is that the Raptors were worse when he, when he played. And that shouldn't happen. For a guy who is one of the yeah, better talents I, in the league, so that's what I would look at all the time. And um, last season, I, I followed the Raptors pretty closely. Last season, um, just one of the teams that I kind of latched onto for whatever reason, and they they just weren't. <laughs> he mucks up the offense. I think I've I've walked around it a lot, but he just makes them worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree, but fortunately, I think the acquisition of Carroll helps mitigate some of that because he is a yeah. three-point shooter. He is a guy who can capably space the court and knows how to get to those spots that do stretch out a defense. I worry that he's not going to have as successful a season now that he's operating in a Dwayne Casey offense as opposed to the Mike Budenholzer one. I think that he was not yeah, entirely the product cool. of a system, but at least partially one, which worries me. But at least defenders have to respect his shot. Because we've seen so many times in the NBA that guys who might have had one fluky season, defenders still think they have to guard them more than they actually do. So that should, help, that should help the Raptors substantially, which does make it easier for DeRozan to play slasher and to take some of those mid-range shots that he falls in love with so easily. And that's probably the reason I like this acquisition most, even though presumably he'll help them more on defense. I really like the Damari Carroll acquisition too, but I think that the caution that you brought up is is very valid reason um, to be worried. Budenholzer is a guy who can maximize offensive talent, 
uh, Dwayne Casey may be the opposite of that. They had a pretty efficient offense last season, so maybe I'm being unfair to him. You're not. But <laughs> when I see when when what I see with my eyes is just bad basketball at times, and it really came back to bite him in the playoffs when you know defenses buckle down, uh, teams have time to game plan for what you do. They they quickly became predictable and they were shut down. Um, just to hammer home. <laughs> Our points on DeMar DeRozan. While you were talking, I looked up some of those numbers. The, the Raptors' offensive rating when he was on the floor last season was 106.5, and they had a net rating of 2.6. Both fine numbers. Um, when he was off the floor, though, their offensive rating was 109.8, so a, a decent bit better, and their net rating was 3.9. So... It wasn't a huge gap, but yes, well, they a lot were of that, a better team when he was off the floor. A lot of that stems from what happened early in the season because he was injured and they were rolling early in the season yeah, when Kyle Lowry that. had complete control of this team. They were on pace yep. to produce one of the best offensive ratings of all time. That's not hyperbolic. And when he came, like you said earlier, it mucks things up a little bit. And his mm-hmm. defensive ability is supposed to counter that. But it's weird to think about a player who makes them worse on offense – is supposed to be better on defense and still leads the team in scoring. That's not something you hear <laughs> all the time. Something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a coaching and, thing. It's a mentality yes. thing. And it needs to change if this team is going to live up to its potential, which should be pretty lofty. I would, cons- I would, I would consider I, this one of, the, one of the teams that can earn number two in the East. I would too, actually. I think there's maybe three. I think the Hawks are in that group, the Raptors, and the Bulls. Am I missing anybody? No, I don't think you are. I think that's the three that I would pick. But I think it comes down to a coaching thing. I, how long has Rosen and Casey been together now? How long has Casey been with the Raptors? Like three years? I feel Four like it's years? been longer than that. I know I, he signed the, uh, the three-year extension in May of 2014. Because Casey was on the 2011 Mavericks championship staff. I'm He's been sure. there since 2011, so 2012. Yeah, so he he signed that summer. That's enough time to realize what is going wrong with DeMar DeRozan, and that's enough time to try to make adjustments. And if the coach hasn't been able to figure it out at this point, I I can't imagine anything's going to change. But this you know, season. you know what's strange? I'm looking at DeRozan's career history here. In 2010-11, when Casey was still with the Mavericks, DeRozan averaged 17.2 points per game. Shot 46.7 from the field and oh only gosh. took 0.6 three-point attempts per game. In comes Casey. Scoring average dips by 0.5. Field goal percentage declines to 42.2%. And despite coming off a season where he shot 9.6% from deep, he shot 26.1% on 1.5 attempts per game. His attempts almost tripled. And since then, he's continued to shoot more and more until last year. Huh. When for some reason he couldn't figure out how to finish around the hoop, it's almost like the usage rate is just way too high. It's falling. Think, it's falling in love with points per game. And yeah, you it's, might have it's such it. a shame because I think that fantasy basketball is weird. It's not truly representative of what actually happens on the court. And but the reason I bring it up is because so often points get really overvalued. You draft people because they score a lot and it's glamorous and it's fun to have those guys. 
But if you look on the waiver wire, you can find plenty of guys who can help you stay alive in that category while focusing on other things. And it's the yeah. same way in real basketball. Like the guys, you don't need a scoring champion to have a competitive offense. And this team especially doesn't need to have one. Just ask the Spurs. Yeah, so if you – it's like they're falling in love and overvaluing his ability to compete for the team scoring title when he really shouldn't be. His energies could be focused in so many different ways, especially because he's improved so much as a passer. And that was the big mm-hmm. thing for me. When they, when they had like their midseason slump last year, they really started to break out of it when he started looking to function as a distributor as well because defenses do pay so much attention to him. And I want to see him do more of that. I want to see him become, I think, 2013-14 Kobe Bryant when all of a sudden he wanted to record double-digit assists and get everyone involved. And until that happens, then I have trouble really buying the Raptors, even though I think we've established throughout this preview that I like a lot of the pieces on this roster. I did not mean to rant like that. Yeah, and I think... That was unintended. (laughs) It was unintended, but it was worthwhile. And I agree with you. And on top of that, I don't think there's any reason to believe he doesn't have uh, the talent to be that kind of player, where he can distribute, too. Being a great playmaker, a lot of it is the ability to beat your, ma- your initial man off the dribble and draw other defenders to you. And then, and sure. then be willing and able to see your teammates and, and hit them. And he has that ability. Um, his problem is a lot of times, and this is the same problem with a lot of basketball players, um, you beat your man and you draw that help and you just you try to score no matter what collapses on you. Uh, and it's, it is sort of this glamorization of points that you talked about. Um, and I think it's beyond even fantasy basketball. I think most casual basketball fans at any level now still value points above all else. Um, which is understandable because you have to, I mean, the scoreboard shows the points. That's how you win the game. But not, maybe not enough people pay attention to what actually generates the points beyond shooting. <laughs> I think um, the, key to, the key to me is, I mean, you know the phrase, the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. And it seems on the surface level that the points are the ends. You know, that's what mm-hmm. shows up on the scoreboard, but they're not. Because a basketball game has a finite number of possessions. It's more than about it's more than the total number of points you score. It's how you go about scoring them because if you're not making efficient use of your possessions, your total isn't going to be that high. Yeah. And I think that's why uh I think the smart teams in the NBA, mostly in the Western Conference, teams like the Spurs and the Warriors and the Rockets have figured that out. Um every possession is valuable and that's why you see them they work to get the best possible shot out of each possession. Some of them do it a little differently. Like the Warriors are about getting the best shot quickly. Long story short, what you're saying is true. These teams that value possessions and that understand that the best shot is better than sometimes like the easy shot, um, you know, these are the teams that are being successful right now. Well, I'll, I'll use an even more extreme example. Look at Grinnell College, you know, the, the collegiate team that scores, what, 200, 300 points a game? Yeah. Ridiculous yeah. offensive numbers. I would argue that their goal isn't to score those ridiculous number of points. It's to create as many offensive possessions as possible and then maximize what they do with those. So the point totals are still misleading. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what DeRozan has to realize, and and even more so than DeRozan, Casey has to realize it. Yeah, that's uh, that's the big thing because <laughs> if the coach doesn't realize it, then your mid twenties shooting guard who grew up Kobe Bryant watching Kobe Bryant is definitely not going to figure it out. Yep. So with all that in mind, we've talked about the depth. We talked about the James Johnson problem. We've talked about Demar Derozan at length. What do you see this team doing? Well, like I, I, like I said, I do like a lot of the talent, and I do think they're one of those three teams that could end up second in the East. Um, I do not trust the coaching there, though. So, I, man, I, I think they're probably going to finish up with 46 wins and maybe like fourth or fifth in the conference. This time I'm going to go one below you. I'll agree on the seating, but I'm going to say 45 wins. We always seem to be pretty close on these. Yeah. So Which with that out of the way, it is time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! That's right. Even though my segue was terrible, it's now time for what burns my bacon. And today, Andy is taking over the frying pan. I thought your segue was perfect, Adam, uh, because it was quick. And if this had burned any longer, we could have some smoke alarms going off in here. <laughs> anyway, if I didn't, I basically had a burning bacon segment earlier in the episode about James Johnson, but I have some more for you guys. Today, um, the Jazz waived Bryce Cotton, um, point guard who's been with them for since about the middle of last season, uh, D League player. Fringe NBA roster guy, horribly undersized, uh, terrible decision maker. Uh, (laughs) Just hard to imagine him ever hanging on um, on an NBA team, let alone being a rotation player. And there was a lot of outcry from Jazz fans just because he's become kind of a fan favorite. He had a really cool alley-oop last season, which is awesome from like a 5'8 guy to go up and catch an alley-oop. But if you just take a step back and look what he actually did with the Jazz, he was really bad. Um, and a lot of Jazz fans were really surprised and really upset that he got cut. So I, I just went and added up everything he's done in a Jazz uniform, regular season, summer league, and preseason. He shot like 35% from the field, 31% from three. He was just really bad. Um, and... Basically, what I'm getting to is a lot of times we as fans fall in love with these guys without actually acknowledging what they're doing on the court. And and it's fine because it's a sport and you can be a fan of whoever you want to be. But I just think it's funny to have outcry over something like this. Like, he's it's amazing he lasted as long as he did. Anyway, my bacon's not really. on fire right now about this. I just think it's kind of funny. Even in today's world where there's so much statistics and information available to us, we can fall prey to um, just sentimentality, I guess. Which, like I said, maybe that's fine. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I know you're making a larger point here, but I'll back you up on just Bryce Cotton (laughs) using the FATS metric. He only played during the second half of the year when the Jazz were actually a really good team. When he was off the court, 48-win team. When he was on the court... 28 win team and for the record it was hard to make the jazz that bad when their defense was so strong during the second half of the season (laughs) so not only do i agree with you that sentimentality can uh can be played up a little bit too much sometimes 
but Cotton was also just really bad. He's probably better than Trey Burke, but you know that's a different conversation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, from Bunch from an Atlanta Hawks that. fan perspective, I, this has happened to us too. I mean, Ivan Johnson. You know, he was not a great player, yeah. but he was such a fan favorite that when he was let go, it was legitimately disappointing. So I totally get where you're coming from, and I think that it's just part of the nature of the sport just to want to be entertained as much as you want your yeah. team to win. And sometimes these fringe guys, you know, you see it on every college basketball team. When that 12th man finally gets onto the court during a blowout, everybody cheers when they do anything, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's, like like I said, maybe it's not a bad thing. Everybody can cheer for they want, or cheer for who they want. Um, it's funny that you should mention Trey Burke because I've been as vocal as anyone about Trey Burke's struggles. I've been, I've even been called out by his mother on social media <laughs> over it. Um, but there were a lot of guy people like fans and writers alike over the last six or seven months who were like Bryce Cotton's better than Trey Burke. He should be starting over than Trey Burke, starting over Trey Burke. And it's just because he was like this new flavor of the month. And his dunk was awesome. If you haven't his seen dunk it, was amazing. go look yeah. it up on YouTube. We will post a link from the feed, from the Hardwood Knox feed. It was one of the coolest we need plays to. of it the whole amazing. season, honestly. It was amazing. Yeah. But he's just like, he wasn't even as good as Trey Burke, which is, that's, that's really saying something. So... <laughs> I wish Bryce Cotton the best of luck. I I'm sure he won't hear this. If he does, I'm sorry. I, I really like you as a player. I think you still have a chance to be a solid NBA player. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Before you close it out, I just want to ask you one more question, though. Yes. Does James Johnson play enough on this team? Let me think about it. I'm, I'm going to say no. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> I wanted to make sure yeah. your mind hadn't changed in these last 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say no to that one. Okay. Who is their starting power forward, by the way? Patrick Patterson? Yep. I don't think we mentioned his name once this whole time. We didn't even mention his name. That's <laughs> no, okay. He's I good. don't mind him. He's there. good. He's a good, decent yeah. player. Spaces the court. Plays some decent defense, but not very notable. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But just to like hammer home the point one more time, I would probably play. I would take a ton of Patterson's minutes and give him to Johnson. And okay. I won't even let you respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's the end of this Raptors episode. That was that was a fun one, Adam. We got philosophical there. This point. was a weird <laughs> episode. We got heated. We waxed poetic. Um, if you made it through this one, want, kudos. Yeah. We need to close this one out. This one needs to end. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> if you want to talk to us on Twitter, Adam's at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Uh, the whole crew is at Hardwood Knox. And, of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can favorite us on Stitcher. Once we get through these season previews, which we are almost done with, guys, we're still going to be coming at you pretty regularly with stuff that's actually related to what's happening um, as the season goes on. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we look forward to talking to you, and uh, we really appreciate that you listen to us. Shout out to Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. 
Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Hi, I'm Rick, store director from the Mill Valley Safeway. Our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77, and Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each. When you buy four, look for the red tags in store. This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.